Hey everybody, welcome into a new episode of the Roger Review. We're talking movies, of course, today. We're talking possibly the last SNL movie and a cult classic. One of my favorite movies and my guest, Spooger, one of his favorite movies. It's McGruber. Uh, we're going to be talking about it and its show and just the insanity of it all. Let's dive right into it, guys. <laughs> this is McGruber. I can't believe you played that song in its entirety in front of me while that happened. That was wild. <laughs> You're a very talented person. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm good on the keyboard. Yeah, you, you were playing four at the same time, and you had a drum machine in there that you were hitting with your face. That was, jeez. <laughs> the secret is Apple Mute Band, like Garage Band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the master of Garage Band. What can I, I say? I am the Garage Band, <laughs> baby. Oh, <laughs> so, welcome it, Spooker. First time on the show. Yeah, we're, ta- we're talking McGruber. Yes, but what? <laughs> I, I've known you for a while. Mm-hmm. You're comedy on your streams, Twitch streamer, of course. Your comedy on your streams sometimes is very McGruber esque, very <laughs> out, of course, outlandish, which is awesome. What other, what's your relationship with this movie or like movies in general? What type of movies do you like? Uh, I, I I mostly hate a lot of movies, so <laughs> I I tend to uh, gravitate to movies that are just like absurdly stupid. Uh, <laughs> So so MacGruber has like a real special place in my heart because I think it's one of the silliest premises for a movie. And it's like I just have a deep history with it, too, because it was one of those movies like I hadn't gone to a movie theater in probably two years. And then my buddy was like, do you want to go see this SNL movie with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll go <laughs> if you buy my ticket. Like, I didn't know anything. Uh, I didn't know that they were making a MacGruber movie. So he bought my ticket and we went and me, him, and I think there was another couple that were in the theater. We were the only people there. And me and, and so about 25 minutes into the movie, uh, the other two people walked out and then it was just me and my friend. And we were like howling the entire time we were watching this movie, like, like a pair of like socio sociopaths in on a day pass to go see a movie. <laughs> just sitting there laughing. And it was so good that we got out of there and we were like, we're coming back to see this movie tomorrow. And it, that's it. Like it's, it's been, it's probably been my favorite movie since then. Oh, so, so you were one of the lucky few who <laughs> got to see this in theaters. I, 
This yeah. movie only in theaters for three weeks. <laughs> I, I was an early adopter. <laughs> I remember seeing the trailers for it, and oh. I've I've watched SNL since like for me there was two things on TV I watched growing up, mm-hmm. and that's SNL and professional wrestling. And so <laughs> those are two things I just grew up with. Yeah. And as I was never a mad TV kid. Like I never liked mad TV right. or at least the, I think I started, I tried to watch mad TV near the end and yeah. mad TV was like really fucking bad. <laughs> near the end. <laughs> like I'll, I'll go back and I'll, well, it, Mad TV is nice to watch now because I can find the good sketches. Yeah, but I, you need the Sasso, Aries Spears my, era. Yeah. Well, being a wrestling fan, one of my favorite is there's one with Triple H where he's a high school wrestler. Mm-hmm. And it's him and Bobby Lee, and he just oh, like yeah. beats the shit out of Bobby Lee. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. But I, I was never a fan of. Mad TV just sat, always felt like it tried to be too loud. Like yes, they oh, found 100%. Being loud very funny. Yeah, like the people always talk about the one sketch where it's the guy in the movie theater, and I, oh yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that sketch. I, I, I try. I agree. I, I don't find that one that as funny as a lot of people do. No, it's it's no Kenny Rogers jackass, that's for sure. <laughs> but watching SNL, for one, weekend update was always something big for me. Oh yeah. Weirdly, we the way I got my news when I was a kid was weekend update and watching the daily <laughs> show with, with John Stewart. Same. same. That's why when I was in high school, I was like I was probably the most politically knowledgeable person in my high school because i watched the daily show yeah <laughs> like nobody. i'm canadian and the amount of like things i knew about random ass senators and governors and stuff <laughs> like that like i had all this like knowledge about stuff i'm just like i i have nowhere to use this because no one will give a shit you know <laughs> and you go to like your civics class and you're just like so who's the premier of alberta is like i don't know but i can tell you who's uh winning the 34th district in columbia this week <laughs> but yeah so snl was a, lo- a lot of people my age i also grew up of course with before that all that which it was a very easy transition for me because growing up watching all that in the amanda show mm-hmm. and then i would say keenan was a very helpful transition because I was like, I know Keenan Thompson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah. And he's been on there forever. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think he joined in 2003, which was around the time I would actually like understand what was going on in SNL to a point. Right. I was like six, so I didn't fully understand. <laughs> but, <laughs> then, but I was starting to catch some of the like dick jokes and stuff when they were doing that and of course that's what to me like i never i i completely miss the will ferrell era yeah uh i i love will ferrell but i miss that era so like will forte sedacus yes uh 
Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. The oh, what's Bill Bill Hader. Bill Hader, that, yeah. And that the these guys were my SNL. These were, and <laughs> you look at everything now, mm-hmm. and two of the most like popular shows is Sudeikis and Bill Hader. I mean, yeah. Barry is. Barry's one of the most (laughs) insane. I I love the first two seasons of Barry. And then I watched this. I don't know if you've seen the recent season. I have, yeah. It's not like the first two seasons. No, No, it is not as light. It is not light. (laughs) I would say there's no light in this recent season. I was like, I was like, I love this like dark comedy show. And then I started watching the recent season. I'm like, it's a Bill, shift. You, yeah, Bill, you forgot the comedy part. But that's what that's what's so good. And and we were talking a bit before this about these like these uh comedians who are so good at like adapting and they're so multi-dimensional. And Sudeikis <laughs> is the same way when you watch him in in Ted Lasso, right? Like they're they're these fantastic comedians with like great comedic timing and everything, but like their dramatic side and everything and like their their serious tones and stuff are just as good they just happen yeah. to to be some of the funniest fucking people on the planet too that's what i i would say this that era right there is probably the best actors snl's had because you look, you look, i i love mike myers and i love i think mike myers is a great actor yeah i think dana carvey could have been but he he got choices. Yeah, <laughs> of course, you all get two of them. Dana Carvey kind of got fucked over by yeah. Mike and Wayne. Like they, like he hated Mike Myers for a long time because of him doing Doctor Evil. Because that was he felt that Mike took that from him. Right. And so that hurt his career, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then him doing Master of Disguise was such a yeah. monumental bomb <laughs> that yeah grow i grew up loving that movie and not realizing that it was a bomb yeah but you have you have actors in this era that are so good at both of like Kristen Wiig yeah Ma- Maya Rudolph is very good at both yeah but like i I, I think Will Ferrell is one who could have been very, he, he's good at drama when he needs to be. And I yeah. think San, Sandler's another one, but yeah. Sandler, you never really got that until recently. <laughs> Cause I, it feels like Sandler has been trying recently to get an Oscar nomination. <laughs> I, but it, I, I think when you look at like Will Ferrell and Sandler and like at this point in their careers, if they wanted to like make a, a dramatic movie and like get awards and stuff, they could no problem. Like, yeah, like uncut gems is like such a, a like had had all the, the, the parts to be like an Oscar movie. It just, you know, you never know what's going to come out the same year. Right. But like, yeah, at this point, and Sandler said it too. Like, why would I go and make like a serious movie when I can go film Grown Up Seven in Hawaii <laughs> with all of my best friends for like a couple months? Like, of course, why would you not do that? That's that's a wave. And like, he's still gonna pick up a huge check anyways. He's just gonna wear basketball shorts and fucking drink Dunkin' for the rest of his life, and he's good. That's what I find funny. That I I feel like in recent years with the even Forte, 
who yeah he he stepped up his acting i would say when he did nebraska that was like it showed to a lot of people that hey maybe these guys could do more and then yeah. when bill Hader did barry mm-hmm. and the first time the first like ad for barry came out and it was like well it's just is bill Hader doing a show is it'll be goofy yeah and the premise came across as goofy too you're a hitman who's wants to become an actor mm-hmm and of course, Sudeikis with Ted Lasso is based on a Pepsi ad from <laughs> like 10 years ago. So right. it, it's so interesting to see like these, these SNL members who are becoming good. At, like Fred Armisen too. He's, oh, he's yeah. very good too. He's very under, he's very underrated on the cast at mm-hmm. the time and for what he's done after because he's one of those people you could put in a bit part anywhere and i yeah. think he could do something serious as well oh 100 it, percent. it it's it's insane to me <laughs> like how good these actors were and they like, were all there together at the same time yeah because i i i love snl nowadays but i look yeah. at the cast and i don't know if any of them like weirdly enough i think the best actor that's going to come out of the snl cast for the past couple years is going to end up being pete davidson <laughs> yeah which is surprising because on like snl he's not like acting he's just like i'm just being pete davidson well and- he's yeah he's very <laughs> sandler he's very much like sandler yeah. oh yeah case. yeah that's another Andy Samberg is like if you go watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, yeah, he's goofy on there. Yeah, but there's moments where he needs to be serious. Yeah, and, <laughs> and just bring up another movie I I watched the other day was a movie that Samberg did right around the time he was leaving SNL with Sandler, and that's that's my boy. Oh that's, yeah. <laughs> That's not a very good movie. No. And it's got the wildest twist ending I've ever mm-hmm. seen. And I it can't help but make me laugh because it's such a sick fuck. You <laughs> for one I, I just want to bring this up because the twist in the movie is that his fiance is having sex with her brother. The brother <laughs> who is supposed to be like a military person. It's right. played by Milo, whatever. I can't remember how to say his last name, but he's been on Just As Us for like the last, like however many seasons. Yeah. And he's became very popular from that. And I was just like, man, <laughs> because before that he did Heroes. And that oh, was okay. what a lot of people knew him from. And so he was in this movie. It just at the end, it's just, you learn that, <laughs> these his brothers and sister been fucking <laughs> and <laughs> she she tells Andy Samberg like quietly and he goes you're fucking your brother like he says this out loud at the wedding and <laughs> he he runs up and he goes mommy I'm still your little soldier right <laughs> <laughs> in which you get 
Adam Sandler go, you take off, you take off that, <laughs> you take off that outfit because you're disrespecting this country. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It, but, Bit of a turn. Yeah. It, it, but back to like, Will Forte here. <laughs> this is his second main role in a movie. Mm-hmm. Based on MacGruber, which is a sketch on SNL, a sketch that when they would do it on SNL would probably take up a total of ninety seconds, <laughs> or ninety yeah. seconds in total of an episode, yeah. because you would have it split usually into three That's segments right. across the show, where they do it thirty and thirty thirty, and mm-hmm. it would have like a recurring story throughout them. <sighs> It's insane. It's just incredible that it actually works because yeah. it's not just, it's not like an original concept. I mean, this is a group is obviously based on a parody of MacGyver. Right. Yeah. And there was like a, a big thing about when they were making the movie too. So they like sat down when like the offer was there to do the movie and it was basically like, okay, we're doing a movie, but they were like adamant that they weren't going to turn it into like every other you know, like Superstar and Night at the Roxbury, like all of those movies are fine and like they're good. I think Superstar is like the second best SNL movie of all time, personally. But it's just like the wait, bit wait, that wait, they wait, did. Wait, 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 what, what, what's your, what's your, what's your number one? MacGruber, a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Wait, and you think Superstar is number two? Superstar is a hundred percent number two. Over Wayne's World? Yeah, yeah. Wayne's World's fine, but it's like it's not great. I like it, but I'm just like Superstar is way funnier. And and Blues Brothers. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really like Blues Brothers. To be fair, Blues Brothers, I can understand. Blues Brothers is very much a like thing of a time. That that's exactly it. Like you watch it now, and you and you have like no precursor to it. You're just like, the fuck is happening here. I, I weirdly I, I I don't know. There's something about that movie I love. I even like the terrible sequel that came out in 2000 with after Belushi Blues died. There's 2000. Yeah, <laughs> where they replaced him, where they replaced Belushi with John Goodman. Yeah, and yeah. That was weird like, oh, choice. I enjoy this movie. <laughs> I th- like they're fine, but it, like if I'm t- talking about the SNL universe. Like all of those movies, for the most part, are just like their skits expanded over like an hour and a half. And yeah. like, at least with MacGruber, I think uh, Jorma Tacone, who directed it and came up with the MacGruber character and everything, and everyone else who had a part in it, they like went out of their way to be like, okay, we're making MacGruber like an action movie. It's not just a skit over third over, you know, however amount of time. Like we're turning this into like. Die Hard, but MacGruber just happens to be in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like they they nailed it. They did so <laughs> good at what what the assignment was. You know what I mean? So I think that's yeah. what makes it probably the best SNL movie. Is like it's the SNL concept, but like properly, maybe for the first time, adapted for a movie. Yeah. So <laughs> because talking about SNL movie, you kind of have to talk about the history of them just to get here. You yeah. had blues brothers uh, in 1980. The first one pretty 
big hit for the time. I mean, $27 million budget, $115 million worldwide. That's pretty good. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> and then Wayne's World, 12 years later. You, mm-hmm. you had a 12-year gap in between these. Let me tell you, Wayne's World brought out SNL getting pretty uh, – <laughs> thinking oh this is the future of our, our how we're going to yeah. do our stuff that was because like a cash you, cow every every year in the 90s up till 2000 there was a snl movie yeah you had wayne's world 20 million dollar budget 183 million worldwide Holy <laughs> fuck. 121 in the states that's insane yeah and then the next year they did Coneheads movie. Oh, Coneheads is so good. Well, oh. all right. You, <laughs> you, I don't know about that. The weird, <laughs> the weird part about Coneheads too is that they Coneheads hadn't been done like on the show for like ten years at that point either. Yeah, because Coneheads was like early eighties. Like that was like one of the first few seasons, and so oh, yeah, that's a that's they, an Ackroyd one. Yeah, and that that one that one bombed. Mm-hmm. Wayne's World Two comes out. Apparently, it didn't get released anywhere but the U.S. For double the budget, only made forty eight million. I think Wayne's World Two is pretty good too. I I think they're both pretty solid movies. Yeah, especially if you like the characters. Then they're then they're <laughs> two, two of their worst movies that they did, which yeah. are it's bad. Which is honestly, when I first brought up doing MacGruber to you, I was like, we're going to watch a bad SNL movie. Too. <laughs> I was going to make you watch It's Pat. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was like, we're going to watch It's Pat. And then I I looked at It's Pat and I read what I read the synopsis for it. And I was like, I'm not watching this movie because I don't think we could talk about this movie without yeah. getting canceled. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's. The whole joke of the movie is, is Pat a man or a woman? Yeah, it's <laughs> not, it has not aged well in the climate that we live in. Well. It didn't age well in the 90s. It made $60,000. <laughs> you And then they made Stuart Saves His Family, yeah. which made $912,000. Two movies that made under a million dollars in a row. Like combined made under a million dollars. Yeah. His Pat had an $8 million budget. Stewart had a 15 million. Stewart, at least it made sense to a point because, you know. It was a small budget. Well, it was Stewart. Stewart Smiley was like a very popular character on there. And heck, Vincent D'Onofrio was in that movie. That's so weird. <laughs> and Harold Ramis yeah. directed it. That's like, I think it's a good group of people to make a movie. Hey, Siskel and Ebert gave, both gave the film a thumbs up rating. With Siskel <laughs> calling it smart and hip, and Ebert saying it has more courage than a lot of serious films. I mean, I'll be honest. That that character of Stuart Smalley is also. Kind of in the vein of MacGruber, like yeah. a character I would think would do well, but I think it's a character that would do better now than in the nineties on a movie because yeah, the plot of it, 
He's a disciple of a 12-step program, is challenged by life's injustices. He loses public access cable television show, which was the joke on so many of these, <laughs> between that and Wayne's World. Yeah. Must beg his manipulative, overbearing boss for his job back. Rehabilitates alcoholic father and drug-abusing brother, played by <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. Supports overweight mother and sister in their lack of ability in handling their relationships with their husbands. It, it, it seems like a serious story for an SL movie. It's, of course, it's a lot. Al Franklin, Al Franklin would uh, go on to become a U.S. senator. So, and a piece that, of shit, but yes, <laughs> then. That was 95, 98. So we, you had a little jump. Apparently those two bombs, they were like, all right, let's take, let's take yeah. a step back now. And then they were like, why don't we, uh, why don't we bring one back? And they do mm-hmm. Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah. Which bombs, but it's, but it made over a million dollars. <laughs> it made $14 million. So they were like, you know what? It bombed, but <laughs> if we <laughs> cut it down a little bit. We do Night of the Roxbury. Yeah. $17 million. Hey, they made their money back. They $30 million. That's not bad. No, uh, that's pretty good. I've, Night of the Roxbury is one I've I've never seen, but I, I, I've heard mixed things. I know some people love it, and yeah. I know some people are like, eh. It's, it's right. fine. It's just, it, it's there. Yeah, and and then superstar is, it is it's, I know it's it's very popular. <laughs> it, it was a very popular one. It was a popular bit. Molly Shannon's hilarious, and Will Ferrell is such a it's such a good role for him. And that both of them playing teenagers is really funny to me. Still, also Tom well, Green's in the movie. He is. That's yeah, such a. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an interesting cast. Mark McKinney's in it as well. Oh yeah, he he was in a because Mark McKinney was also in Night at the Roxbury. I think yeah. he was. I think that was Mark McKinney left Kids in the Hall when Kids in the Hall stopped doing their stuff for a while mm. because Lauren Michaels bought Kids in the Hall. Yeah, and so he like basically funded them. And when they stopped doing their stuff in the early nineties, I'm pretty sure he joined. SNL for a couple years. And so he was in Night yeah. of the Roxbury, Superstar. And then the one that really killed it for 10 years. I love Tim Meadows. I love Tim Meadows. He's one of my favorite people to ever yeah. be on SNL. But The Ladies Man is one of the most atrocious movies I've ever seen in you my life. You think so? Life. I it, so I remember watching this movie as like it came out in 2000. So I would have been 10 when it came out. I absolutely loved it. It's a movie that has not aged well at all. Like all of these movies probably won't. But I, I remember this being so funny and the premise of it being like a radio call in show where he's giving sex advice. And man, I, I had a really fun time watching this movie, but you're, you're, you're right. It's it, it's probably not good to go back and watch now. Yeah, this was turn of the century. This was when people started being like, "Wow, that's not okay." Like even even though some of the like you had you had the one with uh, Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow that came out. I forget oh, the name. Shallow of it. Hal. 
Yeah, that was another one that came out around this time, and you're just like, oh, that's not yeah. that funny. Like, <laughs> like, like it's yeah. like it's like you you laugh at it, but you're like, I shouldn't laugh at that. That's in like you have the ladies' man who <laughs> openly proclaimed that he would court any woman at all, including skanks. Providing yeah. the woman weighs no more than 250 pounds. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> it made $13 million. Listen, even though these movies bombed, like 20, $24 million budget, $13 million box off, I, I see them making over a million dollars as a success. <laughs> I Honestly, it's like... It's not terrible. It's not terrible. <laughs> I, I think that's. I think Ladies Man is just the second worst reviewed SNL movie after it's Pat, which it's Pat was, <laughs> which has zero percent. Yeah. I I hope yeah it has a zero percent. Thank God, because I was yeah. like, I don't want to know the person that gave this a good. <laughs> Although to be in its defense of the Ladies Man, it has a very similar review rating for a night at the Roxbury. So there's either something broken there or I'm on to something about the ladies man being a sleeper hit that everyone should go watch right now because it makes a lot of sense to watch it in 2023. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking at it's Pat's production and I uh, got distracted by Quentin Tarantino revealing that he was an uncredited writer on the script. Oh no. <laughs> That's, Why would you reveal that, Terrence? Yeah, just keep that under your hat, pal. But that we have, then we get to MacGruber, you know? Yep. The, honestly, with inflation, the the smallest budget. I mean, yeah. if Pat had $8 million, this was a $10 million budget, and it still didn't make his money back. No. <laughs> no. This movie opened terribly, was out of theaters in three weeks. And just, <laughs> <laughs> just a stinker. Yeah, it it nobody saw it. They the year before this came out, I believe. Yeah, because this came out in May. For one, this came out in May of 2010. This would have been when Iron Man two came out. That would have been oh, okay around the same time. Let me just see. Let me pull up. Let me pull up May 2010 box office. And I want to see what it opened up against because this is. All right. Yeah. This weekend it was when Shrek Forever After no. opened up. You're not going to win there, bud. No. No. You can't compete with ogres. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> This is Shrek Swamp, okay, MacGruber? You got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you, you had Iron Man 2, which was a huge, like, at, coming after the first Iron Man, huge movie. Also setting mm -hmm. up what we have now. <laughs> That's really the first one to set up after now. And then Robin Hood, which was a relatively big movie. That was the first time Ridley Scott and... Uh, Russell Crowe were back together since Gladiator mm. was right after I uh, was the week after Iron Man two and then Shrek forever after. And then the week after that, it was sex in the city Two, which somehow just 
did <laughs> gangbusters. It was a you, bad time really, to be MacGruber at the theater. Yeah. It was, there was nowhere for it to go. Like there was no, nobody was clamoring to see in Someone's, May. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's not exactly a summer blockbuster movie. <laughs> no, unfortunately. I mean, it, it should have been though. That's the, the, yeah. the like, and it, I think you're right. It suffered so much from like what else was out at the time. Cause like, I I also think the reviews that came in for it like were not very kind to it. It did mention it it had some like bright spots in it, but like for what it was, people were really lambasting a movie that was kind of perfect for the genre it was trying to to put itself into. Yeah, forty eight percent Rotten Tomatoes. I I don't think that's terrible for. SNL movie but then again it's that's the other thing like we were just talking it's an SNL movie mm-hmm. nobody had seen an SNL movie in 10 years nobody had seen a good SNL movie in 20 years <laughs> for a lot of people because a lot, a lot of people didn't see Superstar in theaters like yeah. Superstar was one that got a lot more kind of like MacGruber got a lot more when it hit DVD yeah um and they were like oh this is this dumb 30 second character and they (laughs) they had ads during the super bowl the year before for pepsi which was when it was mcgruber and the original macgyver (laughs) they yes that's right ones and Originally, I believe this movie was supposed to come out earlier. It, I think was. it was supposed to come out like in April or something, a couple weeks before. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was supposed to. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if this was supposed to come out the year before, because that was also around the time that we had like the writer strikes and stuff going on. Oh, okay, yeah. So it might have been. I, I I just feel like this was supposed to come out. This feels like a movie that was supposed to come out like in October the year before. Yeah, um, yeah. But they it says they filmed it between August 10th and September 13th of 2009. Mm. I don't know. It, it, th- this movie either feels like if this was to come out now, it's like a March movie or sure. an end an, if it end of July. Like nowadays we're getting those weird R-rated movies coming out at the end of July, like that Good Boys one that came out a few years ago. Oh, also yeah. starring Forte. Yeah. Um, and then they have uh, one about Stray Dogs that's an R-rated comedy coming out this year with Will Ferrell doing the voice of one of them. Okay. Where, once again, starring Will Forte, but he's <laughs> playing an abusive dog owner that like leaves Will, Will Ferrell's dog like out to do it. And he becomes friends with these other stray dogs, and he goes on a mission to find Will Forte, his owner, and bite his dick off. That's the plot of the movie. <laughs> the, plot, the plot of that movie mirrors MacGruber in so many ways, mostly the ripping a dick off and it being in someone's <laughs> mouth. So that's that's pretty interesting. So yeah, let's get into the story here. We've talked about the background and everything. <laughs> So much that 
movie insanely starts off in Siberia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Where they're searching for McGruber, who is the next Green Beret, Navy SEAL, and Army Ranger. Mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite jokes that I feel like nobody talks about is that he's just everything. <laughs> like, they give him everything. Every he's branch like, of the military. Yeah. The he impossible. does it all. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to I want I want to say this right now. This is a movie like I love Val Kilmer so much. Oh yeah. This movie there there are three people. This movie wouldn't work without Val Kilmer as the bad guy in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Philippi because like Val while Val Kilmer is obviously like almost super over the top Bond-esque villain. Yeah. And then he's still like tame compared to, to Forte's McGruber. Cause like McGruber is just like Forte is just bouncing off the walls. Like he is, yes. it's like he's, it's like a character just, just loaded up on cocaine. Like there's no stopping him. He's just yep. nonstop. And that's, I, I, I get where this movie could be tiring for some people. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's ninety minutes. It's ninety minutes long. It's it's that's why I think it works. Is that it's a short ninety minutes. Yeah. If it was it longer, you thing. would you would never recover those brain cells <laughs> back again. Yeah. It, if this was two hours long, I would start feeling the drain. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. because there's there's only so many jokes you could do with MacGruber. That's they recently came out with a show, and my main worry with the show was. Is that too much? <laughs> you're mm-hmm. doing eight episodes. Are you? You're doing more than double the length of the movie. You're right. doing the movie times two and a half. <laughs> yeah, so in time. But that's the problem with binge watching TV shows: is that you you do it to yourself. Like they give you the option to shut it off, but you're the yeah. fucking idiot who keeps on clicking play <laughs> that you want to keep watching it. So that's on you. That's <laughs> well. I'm. I'm. Go- I'll be honest. I'm gonna. I'm. Pro- after we're finished, I probably will go watch this and give it, give the show another go. I. Yeah. I mean, I sat and I watched all of Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin in one go. So, and I love that. I mean, I love Adam Divine, and it was Adam yeah. Divine in Germany for yeah. six episodes singing. Wow, I loved it. <laughs> I- <laughs> And let me tell you, that got renewed. I don't think MacGruber's getting a second season. Sadly. I think that's I think that's unjust. I feel like MacGruber will get something <laughs> in the future. It, it's too good to not have something come back with it. Well, fantastic thing was last year when the show came out, they had him host SNL, yeah. and he made he made the joke on SNL. He was like, "We got renewed," and he was like. I hope that's what I'm, I'm hoping to hear. <laughs> He's like, nobody said anything yet. I've, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we, yeah, we get the opening, and MacGruber has like insane flashback of Val Kilber, whose character's name will always be one of the funniest things to me is Dieter von Kunth. Which 
is definitely supposed to be gone. <laughs> it was the it. only way they could get around it. But I think it leads to something being even better when they all through the movie, he's just talking about how it's time to go pound some cunt. And I fucking <laughs> lo- like, it's never not funny when you hear it. Like I've seen the movie like 20 plus times and like, Anytime someone says, I'm like, that's a good joke. It don't, doesn't matter who's fucking saying it. It's funny to me. But yeah, this is, let's see, we'll bring thing before. We, we have, um, killed his fiance at their wedding, which is just insane. It's just an insane scene. I, I didn't. I haven't watched this recently, but I can. Yeah. I remember everything in this movie. I, I I said this before we started recording. I can remember every little thing that happens, and I just know that this. Like I remember, it's kind of like to him black and white scene, and like the car pulls up and Kunt just like shoots out the car and kills her. Like no, a, no, incorrect. Isn't that this one? Is no, that he, not this he one? Has, he has a detonator and he blows. Oh. He blows up the wedding and somehow right. only kills Casey, but not MacGruber in the process. <laughs> but it leads to MacGruber faking his death and then going to South America <laughs> where they find him after, which is, I love that, like, whereabouts unknown, but they had, they, he's got a coffin and everything. And anyways, what a, the death scene is great too, when he's having that flashback about, her dying and yeah this is jumping ahead in the story but you learn about why why kunth killed mcgruber's wife and why (laughs) mcgruber hates so they all went to college together and they were dear friends and kunth was actually engaged to casey who mcgruber is marrying later but then mcgruber starts cheating with Casey without Kunth knowing. And as he says it, he starts mowing her box pretty regularly, which I think is the funniest way to tell someone <laughs> that you're, you were hooking up with them. Did, this, this is one part I did not remember. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia and I see what he does. Oh and I'm like, Oh my God. He's that's a terrible thing. This that that part alone might have been why this movie didn't like somebody automatically was like, I don't support this movie anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that whole like explanation is so, and he's telling it in such like a solemn way, and he starts the source. So Ryan Phillippe asks him, he's like, Why does Kunt hate you so much, and why did he kill your wife? He's like. To be honest, I have no idea. He starts the story off and then goes into how he fucking starts banging his fiance. She's pregnant with with Kunt's child. He makes her get an abortion. <laughs> oh my god. You're just like, I have no idea why he hates me and why he killed her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so they, they find him in fucking middle of Nowhere in a temple. <laughs> they bring him in. Another performance I absolutely love that makes this movie is Powers Booth as the late yeah. Powers Booth as Jim Faith, who in the show, they basically replace him with Lawrence Fishburne. It yeah. doesn't work as well for me as Powers Booth. Powers Booth was so good at, he would always do like, 
dumb shit like the like he, he would he would do a stupid movie or play the the straight guy to something like this when he wouldn't be afraid yes and, and he's good I, at like keeping everyone grounded in that role too. Like he, any, I mean, he plays like a lot of the same person, like a lot of colonels and and cops yeah. and stuff like that. But it's always so good. Yeah, he, he's very, he's awesome in this part, and I, I loved his chemistry with MacGruber. Yeah, him and Forte they just they bounce off of each other so well. <laughs> so then. McGruber like goes to the Pentagon and you this is where you also meet Dixon Piper. <laughs> Lieutenant Dixon Piper, played by Ryan Philippi, who is the I guess you would say he's like supposed to be the audience surrogate kind of. Like the he's just the normal guy who's going on like he he's the normal like army guy that's been assigned to work with MacGruber. Yeah. Who MacGruber's just a psychopath. <laughs> and yeah. he's just this normal guy who's like by the book. Yeah. Like we're we got to do this the straight guy to MacGruber's insanity. <laughs> and <laughs> this and my absolute favorite <laughs> joke what what joke doesn't age as well here? <laughs> but he recruits, he gets a list of all of his friends who are all for they're all professional wrestlers. Yeah, uh, play get Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, MVP, Greg Holly, Big Show, Mark Henry, Kane, another one. I there there was somebody else in here too. I can't remember, but. <laughs> He recruits everybody on there except for Vicky St. Elmo, who is mm-hmm. played by Christian Wig, who she does end up coming on the team, and Brick Hughes, which is played by Big Show, <laughs> which is a joke that doesn't work as well now because Big Show's gay. Cause, yeah. Because he's carrying gay. He's like, yeah, I'm all right. You stay away. Yeah. But it and, all, I, see, I rewatched it and I thought it was a gay joke too, but I think it might have been. The big show is in a loving relationship and he has too much to lose to go on the mission. Although the violent scratch out was what makes it seem yeah. like <laughs> that is what did not age well. I took the joke a different way upon rewatching. I'm like, that was nice of him to like, he's in a committed gay relationship yeah. and they're fine together. But McGruber is the it's, it's nice of you taking it that way. I don't think yeah. that's what they mean. No, but you know, I try and, in my head, I want to I wanna reason yeah. it the way I want it to. Uh, listen, it's it's no hangover joke, so it, it could yeah. be worse. Yeah. <laughs> it could be jokes like in The Hangover, which have not aged well at all. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, we... We have probably, honestly, is my favorite scene. It's such <laughs> stupid. This movie is dumb as shit, and I love it. <laughs> That's why it works. Is because Absolutely. it's just dumb as shit. And it knows it's dumb as shit. And I yeah. think that's why people... I don't think people completely understood it. Nowadays, if you came out with this movie, people would love it. I yeah. think. I think. Yeah. Because 
it was kind of like the precursor to a lot of a lot of movies and TV shows where it's like the more absurd, you know, it, like we were talking about Eric Andre and, and stuff like that. But like the more absurd something is, the funnier you kind of feel watching it. So like that yeah. MacGruber kind of like set the 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 bar for things just being like outrageously funny and ridiculous like you don't have to have it make sense if the jokes are good enough it doesn't really matter what else is happening at the time but is the thing you can compare it to that came before it is like naked gun and it's been so long yeah so long since you had a movie that was as good as good or on the level of naked gun yeah. even the attempted something like that and I, yeah, I, I think I think that's we didn't there wasn't a comedy like this for almost 20 years where it was just knowingly stupid other than yeah. maybe Austin Powers, you could say. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, uh, but like uh, the uh, the adult ridiculous, yeah. like Austin Powers is like yeah. fantastic, but it's definitely a little more tame. Smart, it's smarter. Yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd say Austin Powers is a bit smarter. Than this movie. <laughs> and that's. <laughs> It's not a knock against. It's not, I'm not saying that as a knock against this movie, but no. Austin Powers is supposed to be like a spot. Austin Powers is still a spy movie. Yeah. This is. It's like comparing James Bond to Lethal Weapon. It's like yeah, obviously exactly. like, they're both fine, but like Bond is going to be this trained fucking spy who's like you know well like he's <laughs> he's he's thoughtful in his approach and Lethal Weapon is just two dudes like fucking shoot everybody I guess <laughs> like there's. But there's levels but he, uh, to smartness. It's my favorite scene. McGruber shows up on the tarmac. At the team in the car with where they had made a ton of homemade C4 explosives. And he goes up to the Colonel and Piper and he goes, yeah, I got my team right there behind me with about <laughs> 10,000 pounds of homemade C4. And then it, as he says that, it blows up behind him. And this this is where Forte is so good because Forte is just overreaction goes, guys, yeah. guys, are you okay? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> he goes, come on, guys. You're all right. <laughs> come on. <laughs> This it also sets up one of my favorite jokes when when MacGruber confronts Kunt later on and uh and Kunt's like, yeah, I would have uh you know prevented you from coming in here, but I assembled the team of the most deadly assassins in the world. And really? He's like, yeah, I got them all together, put them in a van, had a bunch of homemade C4 in the back of the trunk, and wouldn't you know it, the whole thing blew up. Oh my god, are you serious? Because the exact same thing happened to me. <laughs> we actually have a lot in common. It's like, no, it's I'm fucking with you, you moron. <laughs> Just, this was so this was this was a couple years after Kilmer did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with uh Robert Downey Jr. That's a is, great movie too. Yeah. Different type of comedy, but yeah. his character is still kind of that very straight laced sarcastic dickhead yeah yeah <laughs> and that's what i i've always val Kil like it it hurts me seeing how val kilmer is now after he mm -hmm. got throat cancer yeah because i love val kilmer so much and like i, I would have loved to see him obviously have a like he was he had a small part in top gun last year and i would love to see him be able to do more sadly oh yeah 
probably never will be able to. It's just the case, but you have a movie like this where he gets he play, he gets to play such an over the top bad guy mm-hmm. uh, and foil Jim McGruber is perfect and it, it's so much fun seeing them butt heads. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that after he kills them, they this is when Vicky comes and joins the team. Then they go to the nightclub. Hold on. Before you get to the nightclub, there's also another gag that is maybe one of the most perfect gags. He's on the phone with someone and he gets cut off in a by cut off he gets cut off by someone in a red car who called or he says nice car asshole and he says fuck you and then he starts repeating the license plate number of <laughs> yeah. the car incessantly which is KFBR392 <laughs> and he does this so much and then later I keep on jumping further ahead but it's like all the gags that just like lead into other things you go like 20 or a half hour into the movie and he's still saying the name like the license plate number and then he has a notepad of him scribbling KFBR392 everywhere in the notepad and also a picture of him hanging from a tree taking a shit on a car with the license plate that says KFBR392 <laughs> so it shows you like He's not just like a psychopath for like love. He is just a complete and utter psychopath through and through. <laughs> and like the character development, he's he's one note, but it's so that one note is so properly developed that well, so it's really amazing. We'll get to his character development because his character <laughs> development is done in one scene in the most fucked up way possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically the the main character drive for McGruber is getting revenge for the death of his fiance, mm-hmm. and also getting over his fiance, who is a ghost that lives in the house still, played by Maya Rudolph, that he continuously talks to, and does other stuff. We'll get to, <laughs> but yeah, the. <laughs> the license plate number. They gets to the nightclub. He gets on stage. He fucking says his name and he goes and he says what he's planning on doing and where he'll be tomorrow. <laughs> Which I, I actually I I don't know why I forget about this scene because this is a scene that this next scene is the one that I remember from the trailer so well. Because they dress Vicky up as McGruber and yeah. send her into a fucking like Starbucks <laughs> where they said that he would be. Yeah. And so they go and <laughs> they expect basically them to like I don't know what they <laughs> Yeah, they expect they expect them to like take her, I guess. <laughs> I uh, I think the idea was that so the, MacGruber is also a huge coward, which is a huge part of his character, too, is that he doesn't like to be in the confrontation if he knows something's going to happen to him. So he dresses up a decoy to go in there while they plock, while they park 10 blocks away. Yeah. And like and when they show up, we'll be there. And then we got him. And that was the whole plan. And his plan was see what happens mostly. I do remember I was like, you guys are close, right? He's like, don't worry. 
We're just 10 short blocks away. He goes, 10 blocks away? He goes, don't worry, we'll be there. <laughs> All right, you caught me 15 blocks. There weren't any closer spaces? No, there weren't. There were many spaces. I'm not paying for parking. <laughs> but then, of course, <laughs> the the bad guys, like, for some somehow they find the van. Mm. I don't remember why they find the there's something that's just obvious on the van is the joke. I can't remember. But they find him, they shoot it up and like MacGruber's screaming and yelling. And so Vicky gets down in the in, in the, the coffee, coffee shop. shop is like, why are we yelling? <laughs> like screaming and yelling? And then MacGruber kills him, then makes Vicky dress up as Bender and Makes Piper yeah. dress up as MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> where they're going to break into a warehouse to get a rocket passwords. Yes. <laughs> and I believe this is when we learn that MacGruber refuses to use a gun as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> yep. To to the best, one of the best bits in the whole movie. And like, there's a lot of good bits, but the old celery trick maybe yeah, the honestly it's it's the one that will stick with you forever because you're never going to forget <laughs> the sight of it because <laughs> it's such a fucking it's so out of nowhere and the funniest part is that it just works because it's so fucking random <laughs> i lo- so he puts the stock of celery in his ass hole or in, between his ass cheeks at the very least i don't know how much hole insertion is there i don't want to speculate but so he does the trick, and while all of the, the bad guys are confused, Piper snipes Kill. them all. And Piper says, I gotta admit, that kind of worked. And Magruber says, kinda, I just killed three guys with a piece of celery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I killed him, but still. And his, <laughs> his delusion is so great, where he thinks that he's like, you know, without the celery, it wouldn't have happened. And then he explains to to Piper how the celery trick works. Like, now it's going to feel counterintuitive, but you want to put the thick end inside your cheeks. <laughs> and Piper tells him, I'm never going to have to do that. To which MacGruber says, never, ever say never, ever. <laughs> then you, uh, <laughs> which also the best part about this is that when, when Piper tries to give him a gun, he goes, I don't I don't need that. I rip throats. <laughs> yeah. He goes, You do what? And he's like, I rip their goddamn throats out. <laughs> and he goes, Why? <laughs> and I believe I believe in this scene before he actually does the celery thing, he rips somebody's throat out. Or is that later on? I think <laughs> the throat rips actually come at the end of the movie. After so, and I thought he did one early because then he does later on. He gets the turkey, which I think he gets the turkey all in, in the final kind of showdown. I could be <laughs> wrong. He might do one early on now that I'm thinking about it, but I think they all come at the end after but like I, it's I, highly anticipated. I think it's when they're like trying to sneak in, and he just does it like. Before, like in front of oh. him, and he goes, "What the fuck?" That, that, <laughs> is, that is at the end. That is at the end because I know it's dark okay. out when it happens. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's masterful. 
<laughs> but yeah, and, and, like he he goes to Kunt's charity event, and he threatens him and the guards. Of course, the way he threatens him is he goes. Well, to Kunth, he says, I'm going to cut your dick off and feed it to you. <laughs> <laughs> the other yeah. ones, he's like, I'm going to rip your fucking throats out, essentially. He also has this great, they're playing poker or whatever, and Kunth's sitting next to, like, this beautiful woman. And he's like, I hope you're enjoying your evening. It's a shame you'll be getting date raped later tonight. And Kunth says to him, that's my daughter. <laughs> and she just gets up and leaves. And he's like so embarrassed. He's like, sorry, he, he killed my wife. <laughs> see, see, having not watched it in a while, a joke like that, I completely forgot until he said it. But yeah. I can picture it now. Uh, which is like a just a <laughs> jarring joke to hear but then the retort and like the like the deadpan of cunt what like val kilmer like being the perfect person to play him just like saying it without even looking at him just like saying like that's my daughter like <laughs> <laughs> the probably the most iconic thing that comes from that scene though is when he comes in the room, he goes, "Yeah, I just left an upper deck <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because the upper, and that's to be honest, I think that's when the upper decker like became popular. <laughs> <It's because laughs> <of this> movie. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> added to the mystique of the upper decker, to be sure. I, I was <laughs> I was abusing the upper decker long before I heard it in this movie, but it definitely I started doing it more often after it became a little more widely known in the movie for sure. <laughs> it, and then of course we get where like he goes back to the Pentagon and he gets mm-hmm. taken off the case. And that's where we learn about the history with him and Kunth and the baby abortion. And, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, we honestly, we get a scene that now has became kind of like a cliche joke. I feel like, yeah, but then it, like, I feel it's another one of those things where I don't feel like we got that joke as often. Like we get this joke, I feel like in so many action comedies now. Yeah, that's overdone. But it's where group after MacGruber and Piper are done. Like was a story they get ambushed, and <laughs> MacGruber uses Piper as a human shield. <laughs> to escape with Vicky and he believes that Piper got killed. Yeah. In their driving away. And Piper goes, how'd you know I was wearing a bulletproof vest? He goes, you're wearing a bulletproof vest. Thank God. Awesome. (laughs) The, the amount of bullets that Piper takes in that scene, like, it's not just like one or two, but it's like, Eight machine guns unload several clips in him as he like runs to the car and drops him up too on the back of the car to use him as the shield. <laughs> and like Piper, like at first was like that was such a good idea, and then he realizes <laughs> that McGruber just used him, and so Piper like quits the team, and McGruber got shot in the leg, mm-hmm. so him and Vicky go back to her house in a weirdly <laughs> such a fucking weird sexual scene where she sexually removes the bullet from his leg. <laughs> yeah. And I 
I have to tell you, it was disgust. Like the first time I saw the thing, I was like, <laughs> it was no. hard to watch. I also like she like sticks some forceps in there, or she goes to sew it up, and he says no, and then he like leans in and whispers, "I like holes," <laughs> <laughs> which is the best way to lead into a sex scene I think I've ever heard or seen in my life and that's how I start every time I want to have sex with my wife too is I just lean over and whisper that and we're zero to ten right away but the, so they're like in a fucking attic room I don't know where her bedroom is like it seems like it's just in the attic yeah and she tells him that she loves him and says that she's a virgin <laughs> and then they have sex well he is, says not for long and, yes. then, <laughs> and then it's <laughs> the, the sex scenes which are followed one by one here are the funniest parts in this movie oh honest. yeah because it's so it's got the music playing it's very Baby. sexual and, and then <laughs> All of a sudden, like he's thrusting slowly, and then it yeah. like cuts. It cuts to no music, and you just go, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I'm gonna fill you up. I'm gonna fill you up. What? Just let me do the talking. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they have sex, and then MacGruber it feels so ashamed. He goes to his bride's grave. <laughs> Where my Rudolph's ghost gives her her blessing, gives him her <laughs> blessing, but then he has sex with her ghost on her tombstone. Yeah, and the best part is like <laughs> the Undertaker guy is there, like watching as, <laughs> and you see it from his perspective. <laughs> so you just see MacGruber just pants on the ground, just yeah. like thrusting on top of. <laughs> With, as cheeks holding on to nothing, just <laughs> the guy's like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even bat an eye. Just like, okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> MacGruber goes back to Vicky's and realizes she got kidnapped well, by Kunth. Right. For, first, he gets some info from from the captain. And while he's getting the info, what does he see but the red car with the license plate KFBR392 and smash, <laughs> smashes out every window, every light, and then sets the whole thing on fire. And then the guy shows up. He's like, hey, what are you doing to my car? And he says, fuck you, asshole. And then he goes back to Vicky's place. It's so fucking stupid, but it's like the way that they actually took the time to resolve something that you probably for they keep you like invested in it and then you forget about it because like all this like sexual stuff has happened and then there's a serious thing, but they bring you back to this goofy fucking bit and it's so I will perfect. Say, this was this was right when Marvel started coming out with movies, right? Mm -hmm. So this was before like the post credit stuff became popular. If this came out today, that would have been a post-credit scene. They would have waited all the way till the end of the credits to be like, "McGruber sees the car and destroys it." Yeah, that, that's you. That's the difference between then and now. 
mm-hmm. I definitely feel like. But yeah, <laughs> calls McGruber to like gloat and he traces a call and gets Piper to go with him and they get captured. <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is when they enter and. The Kruber rips one of their fucking throats out. He yeah. goes, Jesus Christ, this is disgusting. <laughs> he goes, I'm going for two more and I got a turkey. <laughs> going for the turkey tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as they're going in more, he, he does end up ripping two more out. But then eventually he... Ha- <laughs> one of my Sorry. favorite parts of- Can I talk about one of the best throat rips or the my favorite throat rip that he he has? So once they infiltrate, they go into this comm center where there's uh, a guard sitting at this big desk with the microphone. And all you see is from the guard's perspective is a a set of throat lozenges land in front of him. And the guard says, throat lozenges. And then MacGruber walks up behind him and says, you're going to need them. And then rips his throat out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he 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 goes on the PA system and he t- says, hey, you fucking idiots, we're inside and we're in the communication center. And Piper's like, why would you do that? They know where we are again. He's like, but now we have a surprise for them. They end up desecrating the corpse and like leaving its middle fingers up and set up a tiny cup of water on the door. So when all three of the guards show up and open the door, this tiny little cup pours water out and a sign on the dead body says, you're all wet. (laughs) (laughs) And McGruber says to Piper as they're like going somewhere else, he's like, wasn't that great there? He's like, what the, all the time it took where you ruined our secret infiltration or how you desecrated the corpse. (laughs) And I just, they're, Oh my God. The, The dialogue in this movie is so like, we keep on talking about the back and forths that everybody has. Like everyone is so good at keeping the movie like on track and grounded <laughs> while MacGruber is just trying to derail every scenario. And it's so fucking perfect. But yeah, the, the, but then they get into a firefight and <laughs> yeah. MacGruber does end up having to use a gun and he, he just like randomly shoots and hits somebody. He goes, Oh my God, these are amazing. <laughs> Why was I always just making those fucking stupid gadgets? <laughs> but they, they eventually they get captured and taken to Kunth. Uh, and I, I don't remember how they escape. I don't remember exactly how. So they get- it's a big, it's a big showdown, and MacGruber's on his knees, and Kunth takes MacGruber's hair and holds it back and cuts it off. And oh, he yeah. runs around pretending to be MacGruber. He's like, oh, I'm MacGruber. Let's go pound some cunt. I'll rip your dick off and feed it to you. And MacGruber goes into this crazy rage, and he get, puts his hands up on the two guards who are beside him, rips both of their throats out, does a backflip, knocks out or knocks down cunt, and then handcuffs him to the uh, the warhead that's set to blow up, like go off and blow up uh, the White House during a State of the Union, <laughs> and that is how. <laughs> and, and they do they do get the <laughs> actually they they don't they don't 
they don't stop the warhead. No. Right? Because no. Because they're like because they do the thing from the skit where she's like, 30 seconds, McGruber, you gotta do it. He goes, There's so many wires here. <laughs> yeah. like, like I don't even know where to start. <laughs> like, I'm a three wire guy. <laughs> like, there's like 50 here. There's I, the I blue one. Oh, there's a blue one. Oh, there's another blue one. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they yeah, they remove the warhead. Yeah, and the guidance system, and so it just explodes there. Yeah, but it while they're escaping, Kunth like cuts his hand off with an axe, and he mm-hmm. escapes. Cut to six months later, <laughs> it's McGruber and Vicky's wedding. He's kind of having like Vietnam flashbacks <laughs> to when his last wife got murdered by Kunth at their wedding. Yeah, uh, but all of his dead team members. That got blown up by the C4. There's go <laughs> in suits and everything too, which I thought was a great touch. <laughs> and then he uh, he sees Kunth with an RPG, yeah, and he saves Vicky. <laughs> and it's, it's the fucking insanity of the end when he <laughs> beats the shit out Kunth. He goes to cut his dick off, but. It got blown off in the explosion, <laughs> yes. which I have so many questions how that works, man. I do too. <laughs> but he he goes comes like ah, you can't feed me. <laughs> like essentially, he's like you lose my groomer. You can't feed me my dick. <laughs> Before so, RPGing him off of the cliff. Yeah, he like. Kicks him off the cliff. He throws him off, shoots him with a machine gun, launches a grenade, then <laughs> RPG, like just a ton of shit. And then he finally just pisses on yeah. his corpse. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> I mean, how it you is. Get like, you get like wedding pictures or something. The Yeah. So that's like, it wasn't post credit, but during the credits, they go through all the, the pictures and it's, Half wedding picture, half crime scene where they're taking bodies away. There's police tape everywhere. MacGruber and Vicky have sex on the dance floor. <laughs> what else is there? Vicky singing and everyone being irritated. MacGruber leaving a sign for the, the, the same waiter who is at the coffee shop that says no tip. <laughs> it's a really great credit scene. Like it's worthwhile to sit through it 100%. But yeah, the it's a it's a tour de force. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the stuff. The this was three years after the first sketch came out. I think at some point they were thinking of doing. Uh, this was also a year. This was one year before Kristen Wiig had Bridesmaids come out. Oh, so this okay. was literally like a year before her big breakout thing was. So yeah. I think, I think it's kind of like a weird timing thing. If this would have came out after bridesmaids, I think that might've helped boost it a little bit. Yeah. And then it, <laughs> it, I'm reading some of the production stuff. You, cause you had the trio that were working on it with mm. Forte and, Tacone and John Solomon, they yeah. uh, 
they were also having to work on SNL at the same time. Yeah. So they were like fully deprived of sleep. So that's why some of the scenes just got crazier. And that's why they came up with the celery scene too. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, and I'll, I'll be honest, I could see where they were afraid that this would get NC-17. Because this is like, there's a lot that pushes it, like pushes oh, even the yeah. R rating here. A hundred percent. There's a... Uh... <laughs> Like every joke that they kind of go into that's MacGruber based is like a little <laughs> aggressive and excessive. <laughs> <laughs> and like the throat ripping itself, like is just like, my God. And like they do, a, whoever worked on like the effects for this, like good for them because they nailed what I assume getting a throat ripped out looks like because it was yeah horrifying to watch. I mean, it, it looks... For a ten million dollar movie, it looks way better than it has any right to look. Yeah, like, it, yeah. It it looks like what forty million dollar movies look like now. Well, yeah, and like that—that's like for for a movie that's primarily a comedy, but like kind of forced into the action genre. Just a like how they decided to do it. Like it looks amazing. It looks so good. Yeah. It's fi- like it. It feels like an action movie that just happens to have uh, a comedian starring in it. Like everything. Like if you take out MacGruber and Vicky, like it's all action people in there, and then you add them in, and it's just like it blows up the whole thing to make it so funny. It's just, I don't know. It's perfect. It's the way that they did it, the way that they filmed it, like the way that it's written. Like I. I am still shocked that people haven't gone back and done like the retractions about what, how they reviewed the movie. Cause it's like, you sound like a jackass now rewatching <laughs> this movie, you know, like it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's perfect. <laughs> I, I just fucking, I just can't, I just want to imagine Christopher Nolan, such a well-respected, Man, sitting there drinking his tea, and then you get to Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig's sex scene, and he's just like, "This is this is peak cinema." This, yeah. Is. <laughs> and then he he has an epiphany, and he's like, "This is where <laughs> this is where my ideas for Tenet came from." Yeah. <laughs> for real that's <laughs> just I, I just find it so incredible i i mean th- this is one of those movies where uh, i wouldn't be surprised if it inspires like a lot of future comedy writers because this yeah. is like around because this one hot rod was yeah. a couple years prior Dewey Cox, which is probably one of my favorite. I love that movie. Yeah. Pop star, which is one that came a few years after. I think pop star doesn't still doesn't get as much love as it deserves. I think pop star is one of the best written comedies. A hundred percent. Last decade. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. If honestly, maybe like one of the best, I, I love musicals and maybe that's why I love it so much. But the like the stuff in there is so 
even if you <laughs> like, don't like music in pop star it's just one of those like the writing of the songs if you just like comedy it's just well written you know like yeah. one of my favorite jokes is uh, tim meadows tim meadows talking about his own band that he was in tony yeah. tony tony and tony with a question mark <laughs> and they didn't want him they didn't think it fit anymore so they took him out and so it was only the three tonys <laughs> <laughs> That's what to, the, that's the only thing that was missing in McGrooper was a Tim Meadows because Tim Meadows makes every movie better. Dewey, two of the ones I just mentioned, Dewey Cox and uh, yeah, Popstar. Dewey Cox, he's one of the best parts of that movie because he goes, we're, "We're doing cocaine, <laughs> Dewey. You don't want none of this shit." He'll <laughs> be like, "Well, what does this do? Makes you stay up all night." Get hard as a rock. <laughs> He's like, like that. And he goes, I think I want to try it. <laughs> All right, get in here. <laughs> yeah, Tim Meadows definitely. I mean, if you could find a way to sneak Tim Meadows in here, I wouldn't be mad about it. <laughs> I would not be mad about having Tim Meadows as like some random uh, army guy or even like a cunt henchman who they like interrogate or something. And he ends up being like a super nice guy. Cause Tim Meadows, he essentially plays the same kind of guy. Who's just like a nice guy and he's like fun to talk to. Right. So if he was yeah. just like a, a cunt henchman, who's just like, I got kids, man. Like I can't die. Or something. like, I don't know what he would do, but he would be so, so perfect. If, if you could reimagine MacGruber with one extra thing, that's what I would add is a little Tim Meadows for sure. I'm looking at the, the show right now like the pictures for the show and i don't know if these it has two pictures and it's supposed to be kilmer and philippi but i don't think that they're from when they did the show because they mm. look so young here yeah uh, at least philippi looks so young but that that dude looks young no matter what like I just say, doesn't fucking age no he's <laughs> definitely one of those vampires like he was born in 74 it's wild to think he's born <laughs> in 74 i think forte is like also 19 like only four years older than ryan Philippi, which is like and you're like Philippi's this rookie coming out of the academy and will ferrell's like this war <laughs> hero who's been around forever shocking shocking yeah, you, you, you you could guess Ryan Philippi as like a twenty eight year old and something now, and it's so weirdly even believable. Yeah, <laughs> Philippi would be like the guy who just graduated high school who still hangs around with the kids from the OC or something at age like nearly fifty. I, <laughs> Ryan Philippi's also got such a weird cat, like weird shit like I, like he did that shooter show and other than that he's just like done nothing i think he had a couple of accusations about him and that he had like a little break at <laughs> some point there was something weird about him at some point i can't remember what it was but it looks like he's following the red box train like mm. starting all the all the good old red box movies right but I mean, he's he's steadily working and he's always in like good stuff. Every like he pops up like exactly where he needs to be and he's great in everything. I, 
I want to point out in, in the show, the bad guy's name is Enoth Queeth, <laughs> which is uh, originally was supposed to be Mickey Rourke, which I don't think is as good as getting Billy Zane. I think Billy Zane is 10 times better. <laughs> yeah. Having, having just seen Titanic for the first time. <laughs> Like two weeks ago, I was like, man, this Billy Zane kid is going somewhere. <laughs> he's got chops, I tell you. Yeah, he's such a good bad guy. In this. He's young and handsome. And then <laughs> I'm just like, as I watch the 25th anniversary of Titanic. Yeah, yeah it, I'm going to have to watch the show and see if it... The show's, honestly, it's got better reviews like it was the show got a good rotten tomato score and good reviews on imdb so it's clear that at some point yeah people came around like the turnaround happened yeah i don't i think i don't think we'll get a second season because i think the window is passed for it now yeah, it came out December of 2021, and oh, so the fact that it was very early Peacock show, like, yeah, a lot of early, like that's the issue is that if it came out now on Peacock, I think it have a better chance, right? Because I'll, I'll be honest, a lot, a lot, you get a lot of shows. There's a good show on there called Poker Face. Now they have WWE. They didn't have WWE at this point. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot more influx of people on Peacock watching their shows. Right. And when this came out, there was just, it was like they had saved AP Bio that was on there. Oh, <laughs> and there was a couple yeah. other things. And all of them basically got canceled. Yeah. But I, I think the way that they did the show is they kind of did it as a mini series. So it didn't really need yeah. second season. So hopefully it, you know, it's one of those things too, where like a lot of these kinds of shows that are based on movies and maybe, maybe this won't happen, but this is my prediction is that in like a couple of years, the people who wrote it will get an itch to bring the character back again. It's like the movie came out in 2010. This, came out 10 years later, maybe in 10 years, they revisited for like a part two miniseries or another movie or something. Right. Just to like, like, you never know. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it can't be too much to probably do a Peacock original movie would probably be better. Right. Yeah. I mean, Peacock's done, I think three psych movies. Now they've done three psych movies. Why yeah. not? With McGruber, like an hour and a, a half shot. movie. Give him a yeah. shot. Give him another shot. <laughs> he's come he's, on, Peacock. We're begging for it, Peacock. <laughs> we love Will Forte. I will watch <laughs> Will Forte in anything, and if he's in McGruber, I will watch it twice. Or do like somehow pick up a movie on Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. I want yeah. that to have the ending that it deserve to have <laughs> yeah it, i think it got i think it got canceled literally, i think they were go, they had like one more season like planned for the story yeah and they canceled it it's a bummer 
It was clearly a show that wasn't meant to last forever. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, the it's it's nice looking back at McGruber with the eyes now because it's yeah. It's clearly an influential comedy in a weird way. I think so. And like we haven't really had a cult classic type of movie other than this. Yeah. Well, and, I think it's it's hard too cuz like you were saying like it came out at the onset of like all the Marvel and superhero stuff and like I'm not a big movie person and I'm not a Marvel person at all. So like every movie I see that comes out or that's that's in theaters is a Marvel movie. So I would never go to a movie theater to watch something that I just don't care about. So yeah. now with like everything just being so superhero centric and everyone trying to get a piece of that pie, this kind of came out at that time where it's like, this might be the last cult classic movie that we maybe ever see. Yeah, it, because it came out at that time where it was also around the time when stuff was switching to streaming too. And I yeah. think that's it. I think that's where I, I don't know where it hit streaming wise. It might've hit Netflix or something, but at that's some point question. it got found. I, I think it was, I don't, it had to have been like four years after it. Cause this movie yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't right away well received after, because I remember People talked bad about it for a couple of years. And then oh, yeah. when I was in high school, like was around the time, like I showed my friends this and it, I think it, I think it, that was around when Netflix really started picking up. Yeah. And when streaming happened, people caught this because when Netflix and stuff streaming started happening, they didn't have a ton of originals. So this was really something that hit. Yeah. And became a cult classic. But yeah, I I love this movie. <laughs> it's, Same. Same. It's one I go back to. Th this one and Dewey Cox are yes. probably two, the two I go back to the most. I think those are probably two comedy. of the... Yeah, they're two of the best comedies that came out in like the and, late 2000s. Two movies, two movies that bombed yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always love looking looking at Dewey Cox because uh, John C. Riley literally went on tour as Dewey Cox as a oh, promotion yeah. for that movie. And it's still bombed. <laughs> he did if, everything if could, he could to, to make it work and it didn't. <laughs> I, f I feel bad because I feel like at that time, that was around the time when he did Talladega Nights and uh, Step Brothers. And I felt I feel like the reason why it didn't do well is because he was he, he kind of got looked at as oh the guy that's in Will Ferrell movies, <laughs> yes. but there's no Will Ferrell in it, and I think yeah. that's why it didn't do well. And now, of course, John C. Riley's a lot. I think he's a lot more respected now, and he's done a lot more different stuff. Yeah, and I think same way with Forte. Forte obviously loves this character. He came back to it 11 years later and did a eight episode series. Yeah. Uh, I, I think all of them like doing it. I think even Philippi and wig like doing it. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's hard not to like the premise of it. I think where it's just like, it's so silly, but it has like this action element to it, which I, I mean, none of them really get to do a lot of that. Yeah. So, so it kind of like, and like, 
I don't think anyone who's into comedy dislikes action stuff because there's <laughs> so much inherent comedy in action when it's trying to be serious and stuff like you know, talking about like Die Hard or Lethal Weapon or any of like any classic action movies. There's so much comedy, whether it's intentional or not, that's in that genre that when you actually take comedians and put them into those roles, you just can blow that whole thing wide open. And it just makes it that much yeah. better. Yeah. And this this movie, I, I think, is going to be one that continue continues to get brought up because what I love is... I listen to a podcast and it's people that just love movies and almost have like a, like a higher, weirdly higher taste. And then they watch this movie and they love this movie. And yeah. you're just, and I, I was like, man, maybe I'm not alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> for the longest time I was like, I would, I showed my friends, I showed my exes and my friends were like, this was so stupid. Like, but they, that stupid comedy wasn't what was popular like it is now. Now yeah. you get like, you get stupid comedies that work and stupid comedy is what people like to watch. <laughs> yeah. Now that it's like stupid kind over of over the uh, top. Well, yeah. And, and now that it's kind of like a, a, a popular thing, like you're saying where it's like Rick and Morty has a lot of dumb fucking things and a lot of people try and pass it off as like, Oh, it's an, a high concept <laughs> intellectual show. It's like, it's not. It's a fucking alcoholic and his moronic grandson running around space. Like, it's not you thinking about this too much. Like, it's dumb. It's all dumb. Yeah. It's it's on Adult Swim. It's not high-brained, high society. You're not watching uh, an orchestra performance of comedy here. It's all stupid. <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. And that's what makes it good. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess final stuff we'll say on McGruber here is probably that it's if you haven't seen it, probably check it out. If, if you like, if you like the Austin powers, if you like outlandish R rated comedies or like goofy comedies, it's definitely for you. If, if you, if you, if you've heard bad stuff about it, because you might've <laughs> over the years, <laughs> you definitely did. Yeah, he probably did. I mean, it was a huge bomb when it came out, but mm -hmm. it, it's one you should definitely check out and possibly, I would say, give the show a chance after the movie if you like the movie. Yeah. But yeah, Gruber's, it, it's weirdly, it's weird to say a classic, but it is because it's yeah. weird to call any movie from my t from the time that I've been alive a classic. <laughs> but, yeah. It was it's 13 years old but it's uh it's yeah. a classic now. It and it's it's comedy that still feels fresh for, after being 13 years old. Yeah. And that's what that's what makes it a classic. I don't weirdly comparing it to Airplane but like Airplane had that same type of comedy where yeah. It can work for any generation. You're like you're they don't have any jokes in here that are going to be dated. Like yeah. you don't make jokes towards like somebody popular at the time. I don't think. Yeah. It all, it's all pretty well. You can watch it now and it's like, nothing has, has aged terribly poorly. It, yeah. It, it's got, it's very tight writing. It, the movie comes across kind of, 
as a series of sketches in a movie. If if you really, yeah, it, yeah, like the bits, like it's, and that's probably how they figured because they were writing for SNL at the time, so that's how they did it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we're not gonna give it a grade rating because I don't even, I don't know if I would have a grade rating for this movie. I, I don't think it goes high enough. Whatever the grading <laughs> is, it's. I, because I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable giving it a plus, but I don't, I also don't feel comfortable giving it like a B because I feel like that's too low. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those movies that's weirdly timeless, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think look- that's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. It's been awesome talking with group of you, Spooker. Time to plug, time to plug stuff. <laughs> so put, put, plug whatever you got going on. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Spooger, uh, or Spooger, or Tyler, whatever you want to call me. I'm good with anything. Uh, I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Spooger69. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all all the dumb stuff there. Uh, I do a lot of sketch comedy stuff. I do a lot of eating competitions, which Roger has participated in and made us all look like imbeciles because they put away 60 timbits insanely easily from my perspective but it was not not that easy (laughs) (laughs) to be fair if if you were dipping it in barbecue sauce it might have been a bit easier i still don't think i would have (laughs) come close but yeah if you like goofy shit like mcgruber uh i might be someone you're interested in hanging out with yeah, you did a you did a hitman stream the other day, and that was yeah, pretty good. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. It was hard. Like, it was, <laughs> I'm not really good at being sneaky. <laughs> I just like throwing cans and wrenches at people. I learned. Yes, that's what that game is all about. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks again for being on. Thanks for having uh, of me. Course, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, and. You, you, of course, can find me everywhere at The Roger Review on Twitch, YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be posting more. You can find me on Letterboxd at The Roger Review. And I'm going to be posting more like reviews. I, I need to actually post one on Ant-Man. And I'm going to go see Cocaine Bear this week. So oh, hell yeah. I'll have one up for that. <laughs> but yeah, make sure to rate and review the podcast. Share it if you can. Yeah, that's that's gonna be it for today, McGruber. <laughs> probably our the longest podcast I've had. Yeah, other maybe tied with Strange Worlds, but yeah, this was there was weirdly a lot to talk about. With this there movie. is, we yeah. got into every nook and cranny. So, and I, I guess you guys know how it is. I always tell you guys to go watch a fantastic movie. That movie, as always, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, starring Tobey Maguire and Alfred Molina. All right, everybody. Bye.
Let's pound some cunts.